Welcome to Lost Light and Laughter, an uplifting show about laughter after tragedy. I'm your host, Michelle A. If you're ready for some inspiration and laughter in your life, you've tuned in to the right show. It's time to show love, everybody, show love one time. I'm strong enough to fight my battles. I know he'll never give me more than I can handle. My Lord, my King, the one that I do love. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lost Light and Laughter. I'm your host, Michelle A, and on today we have another special guest. I know I've been interviewing people from the Great American Speak Off, and today I get to interview another contestant. This is Edon. Edon, come on in, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're from, share with the audience. Hi, my name's Edon. Um, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, originally. Um, what I'm currently doing is I work tech support for one of the hospitals in Texas. Um, I'm an entrepreneur outside of that. I've written two books currently, and I'm the founder of the nonprofit organization, The Heart of a Soldier. Amen. As you know, the name of the show is called Lost Light and Laughter. Tell our audience about a significant loss that you have experienced in your life. Now you have the freedom to share as little or as much as you like. It's yours. Okay, so uh, my loss would have been when I was 14, the loss of my father. Um, That was the loss that kind of triggered me into becoming a different person. Uh Um, And outside of that, that was one of the major life challenges that I had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of deep being so young mm-hmm. and having such a big loss at such a young age. It really defined who I was up until just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like, can you share a little bit more about like what happened and like at 14 losing a parent what was your thought process when you got the news that your dad was gone? Um, well, at 14, losing a parent, I was fresh in high school. It was my mm-hmm. ninth grade year. I had been in high school for maybe a month. And prior to the me losing my parent, um, we were a two-parent household. So everything mm-hmm. was very cookie-cutter, if you would say. And then... When I lost my dad, it was like our world changed because it went from being this two-parent household that was cookie-cutter, or <laughs> that I say, to being filled with a lot of chaos mm-hmm. and on top of loss. So it was going from one very structured environment to a totally different one. And the biggest part I want to say that had to do with it was drugs being played into the scenario because we went from basically hearing about it to be living it. So it became almost like a movie scene from the time I was 14 up until I want to say 30. 
and I want to say this, I am so sorry that that happened to you because I can only imagine when you have a level, and I've experienced this as an adult, but not even as a child so much, when you have that level of stability and then the ground falls out from underneath you and everything that was real, like this has to be a bad dream. This can't be real, but it's actually happened, happening. And it's at 14 and your body is changing and the hormones. And it's just like, like a world, uh, just worlds colliding and it's just crumbling and you're having to get through that. Um, can you talk to us about like, what did you do to get through or even try to even understand what was happening in your life? Um, for me, I don't think I tried to get through, to be honest. Um, I tried to cope mm. because that was my first real loss. Like I have never experienced a loss before then and for it to be so close and for it to be the first time it triggered a lot of emotions to the point where I just wanted to numb myself. Um, so I didn't, I didn't deal with it. I literally found ways to suppress my attitude because I became angry. So me never being an angry child or person becoming one, I didn't know how to filter that. So I self-medicated a lot. Like that was my biggest thing because it suppressed my attitude. So instead of me being mad all the time, I was smoking. It would just be over like for that moment. And then Whenever I started to notice, whenever I had the smallest alter, anything that wasn't going my way, it would cause me to go to that. That became my, basically my comfort. Um, It caused me not to have to deal with what I was currently facing. So instead of coping and dealing with it, I suppressed it and I covered it. That is, it's, it's natural. It's common. Um, I can only imagine doing it as a child because we do it as adults too. You know, we're trying to figure out like all that's happening and, and we're just, we want our life back. You know, you just want your life to go on back to the way it used to be. And so I can only imagine how difficult that was as a young girl. Now talk to us about the light. I don't know at 14, what your relationship was with God. But now that you're older, you might be able to see, okay, this is where God is showing up in my life. Talk to us about the light. Where is God in all of this? Okay, so the light for me was when I turned 30. um, I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to hold on to everything that was going on, especially since it was resurfacing in the form of um, basically the case being brought back up after so long. And I had to make that decision because as an adult, I was going to go through the same thing that I had went through. <laughs> that I had went through as a child. So I had to make a decision on whether or not that was going to be my narrative going forward. So as I went into that, I was like, I can't go into 30 with the same mindset I've had for the last 16 years. And I let go. And when I let go, 
I had all of these ideas of how to help others because it took me so long and I experienced so much and I went through so much that I could basically point it out when it's being covered and not being dealt with because of how you handle it. If you're not coping, then you're going to handle it other ways and it's going to show. Yeah, so so that that he's kind of showing you through other people, like, you know how to mask, you know, you know how to get through it in the sense where we just say we're okay. And, you know, it is what it is. We've accepted that. But God has opened your eyes to now be able to see when another young person is doing it, or even when another adult is doing that. Now, let me ask you this. Did you pray to God about it? Um, did you talk to him? What did you do? Well, I, mine came in a form of me possibly getting what I had always wanted, which was revenge. Mm-hmm. And wow. at this point, it came at a time when I was like, okay, I want to heal. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. But then I was presented with this and I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I wanted this for so long. And it made me feel almost like I was betraying my father in a way because I had wanted this so long. Like it, some people, when they go through a loss of that stature, they just want the person to go to jail. That was never my thing. Like I truly believed in the eye for eye. Like when that, when it first happened, that was all, all it was an eye for eye. I didn't want the jail. I didn't want to have to go to court. I didn't want to have to see. I just felt like it wasn't fair. So when that came about and I had to literally say nothing is going to bring him back, that was the point where God came in and I realized that I was really truly healing because I hadn't wanted that for so long. So for me that was the biggest thing like i just cried and cried and cried because i felt like i was betraying myself every i had been through this for so long just to be like i don't want it anymore it's not going to help so that was a big part of it was realizing that nothing brings them back once it's gone it's gone and all you have is your memories at that point so you have to basically that's the part of coping and healing you have to get to that point where you accept it and who that's a really big one right there. That's really, that's hard. Um, and you can share with the audience uh, what actually happened to your dad. Cause they may not know, you know, when you say eye for an eye, like what happened, you know, they might be having questions. So you can go ahead and share why you wanted revenge. Okay. Because it was a drug transaction that went bad between his friends and him and my uncle. So not only did I lose my dad that day, I lost my uncle as well. So with that being said, and it was the fact that they were out so long, I guess that triggered the emotion of it's not fair. Um, Because losing them that way and never even knowing that they, he was into that. I kind of knew about my uncle, but my dad, I never had any intuition. And I think that was something that he kept from me and my sister because we were girls. Not really certain. But when it was opened up to me and I found out that it was friends and it wasn't just, you know, random or 
It wasn't a car accident. It wasn't a car accident. It wasn't something that you are forced to deal with in a manner that makes you have to recognize that it's real. It was more so something that you see in the movie. Like, no, this can't be real. And it was real. So with that being said, it was more so like he trusted the wrong person or the wrong people. Mm -hmm. And that was the part that led me to revenge because it was almost as if he didn't see it coming. So that was the part for me that was like, it wasn't fair. Yeah. Cause there's, there's so much loss there. Um, And when you find out that it's people that you think are great, that are cool, are the ones that actually betray you. And and now you don't have a dad, you know, it's hard to, in a sense, trust anyone because you see what a friend can do and only God and it's true love and mercy can heal that. And so when you have an opportunity to say, oh man, let's get back at them. Let their kids feel what I felt, you know, for you to actually say, I'm going to take the high road. That's hard. That's hard. That is. Especially that is, when you then, wanted it. Yeah. Like you said, I wanted this for so long and I would have felt justified if I've got, if I would have gotten it. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but to say, God, like I surrender. did you say I surrender? I'm assuming because it had to be a level of surrender for you to say what has said I surrendered before. Wow. So it was, it was a, I surrender and then all hell broke. I I don't know (laughs) what happened from that point, but it was like, as soon as I said, I can't turn 30 with this. Mm-hmm. I just have to let it go. Everything from everywhere that you could ever expect to happen. It was almost like a joke moment. Mm-hmm. It just started happening. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't happening slowly. It was happening yeah. one by one by one by one by one. Mm-hmm. And I literally found myself having to take the high road a lot. Like it yeah. started off with that little, okay, and then it gradually pushed me into having to take the high road and be the bigger person a lot of situations that really I would have felt justified in being on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. So it caused me to grow a lot. I matured a lot. A lot of stuff that bothered me before didn't really bother me. Um, I worked really hard to keep myself from not becoming known, though. Yes. That's because so- since I had overcame so much, it would have been easy just to become numb and stop. Um, but instead, I kept pushing myself to keep doing everything that I was doing. Um, as far as entrepreneurship and me writing my books and me doing the nonprofit, I just kept going. And that may have been one of the things that kept me from basically relapsing into who I was before because it's so easy to go back. And that was one of my things was that I couldn't go back. I had came so far to go back. So when it all started to fall apart, I was so far that it was just like watching it crumble beneath me, but behind me, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Okay, this is so good because you touched on so many points. One, and, and I want people to actually hear this and understand this. When you surrendered, you said that it was like all hell broke loose and it was like one after the after one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it happens like that 
we think when we say I surrender and then this magical rainbow shows up and it's butterflies and, and flowers and then it's just an easy road. No, it's like things happen to test our level of surrender. Where we really sincere when we say, okay, God, I trust you. I just surrender. Yeah, right, girl. Bam, here's this. Bam, here's that. Bam, yes, man. Bam. Like it keeps coming. Bam, 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 bam. So if you are in a place where you have said, I've surrendered or I have forgiven, I've released it and things keep popping up, just know you have to keep saying, I forgive, I surrender, I've let it go. You have to keep doing it. It's not a one and done. And so that's how the enemy works. He'll just spring up all silly kind of things to see if you were literally genuine in your prayer to God. So I'm so glad you said that because that gets overlooked. And a lot of times people feel that guilt and that weight in their spirit because they're like, well, I don't really forgive or I really haven't let this go. No, the enemy is harassing you. (laughs) He's bringing up things to get you to change your mind about it. But I'm so glad that you remain steadfast because look at you here today, like being able to tell your story with strength and power and to help other people and identify when other people are going through their stuff. So really and truly when the scripture says that God will take all the things that the enemy used for evil and turn it around for your good because you've allowed it because of your love in your heart. So that is awesome. So I want people to know that this is real and it happens and and what it looks like um, in a practical life. Okay. Because I don't want anybody to leave this show thinking it just happened real easy for her. She said, I surrendered and bam, we good. No, ma'am. No, sir. That's not what happened. That's not what this lady is saying. So I want to thank you for saying that. Okay. Anything else you want to share on that? Um, No, that was it. Yeah, that's really good. So talk to us now about the laughter part, because that's really heavy to lose a parent um, and an uncle and and this just double loss and then the way it's done and just taking so many years for you to heal. When do you remember like laughing and feeling that, heaviness off of your chest, you know? And I know all of our listeners can relate when you have that weight of just the hurt, the pain, the betrayal. Like, when did you realize you were genuinely laughing from like in your gut, like you felt free? Um, I haven't laughed in a minute. Not like gut greed laugh. Um, going back over when we were discussing, um, appeared on the podcast and that was of the things was laughter afterwards god gave me a laugh and uh-huh. it was prior to but it was still in regards to a memory and the memory that i had was my dad and when i was growing up he was always my big supporter like mm-hmm. he was always my protector my bodyguard so whatever i did he never went against it uh-huh. he would always defend me but there was one time he just couldn't and I was in the eighth grade and we had this fundraiser and during the fundraiser we were supposed to go around and sell these items and the person who got the most would get all these gifts so me I went uh uh-huh I went through my grandmother's neighborhood and I didn't get any sales I think I may have gotten one or two outside of that and the, the stuff that we were selling was so overpriced even as a child I remember looking at it like this is a little out there, but I wanted the I wanted the end result. So when we had to turn in our form, I had all of these names on my form, all these names, all these things, and 
basically the payment wasn't required until after. Mm-hmm. So I turned in the form and then my dad got a call to come pick up the boxes from the fundraiser. We walked into my dance studio and I had like, oh, it was so many. <laughs> I had maybe 20 to 30 boxes for these gifts that I had. So when he just looked at them and he just left, <laughs> she was like, well, wait, you're forgetting. And he was like, no, I, I think she needs to talk to you about and I was like, this girl done wrote all these people names down. Oh. Yes. So I had to forfeit the gifts and then they made me sell the items to the staff in the school. So I still had to sell the stuff, but then I didn't get the gifts afterwards. So that was like one of the biggest ones for me as far as laughter in my story, because I couldn't really like my vision was so blurry that I couldn't really remember too much of us having laughter moments so that being one time where he was forced to put his foot down in a sense uh-huh. it, it just made me laugh because it was like <laughs> he's like dang my girl she's scheming hey i know you normally get what you want but i i can't back this one i i can't i i can't so you know yeah, he told that, that was, story to everybody you know he did Yes. So that was one of the things that um, that I remembered as far as laughter that came back to me because one of the biggest parts of my stories about him is how he always had my back um, from little stuff to big stuff. And I never really was a problematic child, but I was slick. I I would if you would let me get away with it, I was going to get away with it. So that's a girl. That was, yeah, that was one of the things that I remember that made me laugh was the one time that Mm -hmm. we actually had to be on separate sides and I had to be okay with it because at that point I was wrong. Girl, you knew you were wrong. Yes. (laughs) I was wrong. Hands up. I know he probably was telling everybody about that. That, I can can imagine the dad like, girl, you know what she did? Baby girl, everybody like, no, not her. Yes. Baby girl did that. Yes, ma'am. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Oh, I love it. But that's what dads do. They they have your back until they can't. Yes. And, you know, force my hand. Oh my yes. goodness. So, all right. So talk to us. Tell our audience. Do you have any advice for a young girl who may be experiencing this type of loss where it could be um it could be a murder. It could be someone losing their parent um, because of a drunk driver, right? That anger of losing dad. Like, young girls, we need our dads. We need them. And so do you have any advice that you would tell a young girl that's right now, maybe 14, 15, maybe even 16, that has lost her dad and what she might be experiencing right now to kind of help her uh, just get hope for the future? Yeah, and it sounds a little rough, but the thing that took me 16 years to grasp is nothing brings them back. Mm-hmm. So we harbor all the anger, the resentment, the revenge, the all of it as part of not wanting to let go. But in us holding on, which is okay, nothing brings them back. So it's coming to the reality that we have to cope because nothing is going to bring them back. So 
basically that's and we're distorting the memory by turning it into all of the emotions that are given to us from the death. So it's not something that we had prior to, but it's something that we carry once we experience that loss. So by carrying that, our loss becomes distorted with that. So you always want to remember your loved one in a highlight, not in your low and gloomy state, because that's not who they were before. That is really good. That is really good. And I've met people that um, that are in that place. Yeah. And to say that it does distort their memory, that makes so much sense. It does. Um, that's really, really good. And I hope our listeners can get that and know that um, there's light and to look at it in a different way, the right way with the right lens. And I'm glad you actually said that it took you some time. That's almost, what, 16 years. That's, that's a long time to, to get yes, there. And yeah, it takes some time. And, and it's okay. You know, we can't rush it, but I'm glad you're able to identify that no amount of anger will ever bring them back. Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay. Um, Man, this is coming to a close. Yes. Um, let the audience know where they can find you if they want to just reach out. Because there might be a young girl. I, I have some teens that listen to the show. Um, let them know where they can find you if, if it's okay to reach out to you and talk to you about this. Oh, yes, that's fine. Um, my website is theheartofasoldier.org. Um, on there, we actually, uh, I'm sorry, we actually help young adults partner with different therapists, um, some that are within insurance, outside of network of insurance, um, and partner with someone that you can speak to, because that's one of the biggest parts of coping, is having someone that you can talk to that can interpret what you're saying, basically. Um, they may not feel you, but Sometimes being on the outside looking in gives you a lot more direction than being in the same environment with you. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope everyone will have an opportunity to, what we're going to do is we're going to put, you said it's the heart of a soldier.com. Dot org. Dot org. We're going to yes. go ahead and put that link in the description box if you want to connect with her and have this conversation. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story on Lost Light and Laughter. Um, that concludes this episode. Thank you. It's time to show love. Everybody show love one time. It's time to give praise. Everybody give praise one time. Yeah. It's time to show love. Everybody show love one time.